Hello, my name's Sylvester McCoy, Doctor Who number seven. Uh, you are listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Yes, that's what. There's something wrong with the speaker. Um, hello, hello. This is Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 461 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where we're back home, bags unpacked, and laundry getting done, but we're far from rested, and our credit card bills are, yeah, those are going to haunt us like the silence. I'm Jay. I'm Julie. I'm Kier. And I'm Haley. This week, three of us are back from Los Angeles and the return of Whovian conventions in the form of Gallifrey 1, 32 seconds to midnight. So Kier, Haley, and myself were able to make the trip, spending the three plus days with what turned out to be just over 2,100 total attendees. I remained the GPR designated survivor, which I'm totally not bitter about. But if it ever happens again, Kier gets the short straw next time. Yeah, that's valid. Uh, I uh, spent a fair amount of time working for my nonprofit in the dealer room, but I still got a pretty fair assessment of the con's energy and the crowd response. And thanks to a couple of encounters, uh, some of the guest reactions. And so to try and recap all we witnessed and the news emerging from it, we turned to Julie to be our interviewer and test our memory of what took place. Good luck on that, Julie. Everyone had legitimate concerns about returning to a con that was, for a lot of people, the last major event they attended before lockdown began in March of 2020. How did you feel once you were there? Yeah, it was it was odd being among so many people. Um, I mean, I've I've done a little bit of of traveling as safe as I can during uh, during the pandemic, um, and so for for this to be like the the first time that I actually like went to a a large scale thing like this it was really kind of jarring at first like it's like I'm around a whole bunch of people but by halfway through Friday I mean it was just it felt like being home yeah so uh, some of the requirements because of where this was hosted city of LA were that everyone had to show proof of vaccination everyone had to wear a mask for pretty much the entire time unless actively eating or drinking um right. And as someone who had to travel for work and now has to go into a fairly crowded office, I think I felt safer at the con than I have at, you know, some work functions. That's pretty valid. Um, there were a lot of conversations going on about the fact that, yes, there there still was a pretty sizable crowd. I mean, as, as Sean mentioned at the in the closing ceremonies, that the turnstile ended at somewhere upwards of 2100 and change, uh, which exceeded his expectations even going into that weekend. Um, you know, there was a, a larger push for uh, Saturday only attendees and things that folks that came in pretty much just that day and just rolled in and said, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna attend this for a single day to help the numbers. But from my perspective, um, all of the folks who 
were so rankled and 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 made such a horrible stink about the the requirements and the and the the guidelines that were going to be pursued over the course of the weekend um with absolute testament to the staff for being as, as diligent about it and as accommodating as they could to try to explain to people exactly why things were being done and sean being the you know pretty much the single-handed social media um, and and communications arm for everything related to the con sticking to that really meant that a lot of the folks who didn't want to comply with it weren't there and didn't bring the negativity to it so everyone who did attend were willing to follow those guidelines understood why they were following those guidelines and and stuck to them with a uh, with a degree of commitment that I think was really noticeable yeah um even at the times like the what was it the thir- Thursday night was it Thursday night they were doing the ice cream social just the yeah yeah the Thursday so that was in the main room that was in the hallway where where everything is kind of at a, at its largest uh, open space and it was just a matter of people grabbing their little popsicles and whatnot and just pulling masks down enough time to to get a couple of bites in slap it back up and have conversations around eight foot tables so yeah, yeah I, I think everyone was keenly aware. No, and I mean, when I was when I was waiting for the the shuttle to take me back to the airport, what yesterday morning? Jeez, is it really? Cool. <laughs> uh, uh, it was like I remember like somebody saying like I'm I'm really surprised like I I didn't I never saw anyone take their mask off when they weren't supposed to like it was something people noticed it was and it was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Even with the smaller numbers in LobbyCon which is usually like the legendary congregation of bodies <laughs> smashed into one open area. Mm-hmm. It still was a matter of people really like take a sip of your drink, mask back up, have a conversation. If you're standing more than about five or six feet away from somebody and you need to pull your mask down so that you can be heard, that was done. And then the mask went back on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just, it was really, really refreshing to see that cognizance of it without having to be constantly reminded or, or hawked upon by the, yeah. by the volunteer staff. That's really refreshing. Mm-hmm. After a lot of guest changes, rearrangements and such, the headliners all remained. How were Joe Martin, Mandeep Gill, Sasha Dewan and others received? Like royalty? Yeah. <laughs> um. I think it's really uh, not only uh, you always get the, the the huge welcomes for the first time guests, right? Those are mm-hmm. the, the I think the the convention makes a, an effort. I don't even think it's, it's conscious, but just the first time the fan base really gets to clap eyes on uh, someone who has not done galley before, or in many of their cases has not done a stateside convention before. They really want to be shown all the love, and it was helpful. Because of the fact that they all ate it up with a spoon and served it right back. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it was it was so much fun to interact with them too. Because it, they, I mean, anyone who's been to Galley, you know where the the autograph tables are usually set up. They're leading right into the dealer room, so you you almost can't not see these people as you go in. Uh, and you know, there were times when the lines got lower and stuff like that where they. They were, you know, willing to interact with people that walked by, even if you weren't getting your autograph signed. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And I mean, all three of them are just super sweet and just fantastic people. It was just, I I can't speak highly enough about, especially uh, Mandip and Sasha, who I interacted more than uh, than with Joe Martin, but got all of them absolutely amazing. Um, 
Haley, you you attended the the a lot of their paired off and, and sometimes tripled off <laughs> panels, right? Scattered over the course of the weekend. Um, there was an energy level that we don't always see from from guests. It was it was kind of a palpable thing. What what was your take on on how they were with uh um with the panel sessions and things as far as just being in front of crowds again? Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of them, this was at least the first time in a while that they had been at a con. I think for Mandeep, it was the first time she had been at a con at all, with the exception of like when they were first announced as the TARDIS crew at San Diego Comic Con. I think this was Joe Martin's Mm -hmm. first con as well. So they both talked about like just how delightful uh, the people that they had met and interacted with were. Uh, you know, Jay got to actually talk to them at some of the things that he went to, but I just got to see them as part of the panel. And, uh, I think Mandeep in particular could have done the whole panel without being interviewed. She just like, once she starts talking, she just doesn't stop. Like, yeah, like, like basically. speed, like if she stops, she'll die, but don't worry. She's not stopping. <laughs> also, I would, I would pay any amount of money just to watch Mandeep Gill and, and Sasha Dewan just hang out together because I mean, they, they, they referenced multiple times throughout the weekend that they have become like best friends and you can see it just in the way that they interact and things like that is, I just, I, I want to hang out with them so badly. <laughs> right, so Jay's finally going to be leaving the Austin, Texas area, <laughs> moving out. Mm-hmm. What were some of the most interesting tidbits or items you can bring back to us from the panels specifically? Uh, uh whew. I know the one that from where I was in the deal room, the the one thing that uh, that I thought was most interesting as people were coming out of the panel rooms and they would come and walk the dealer area and sort of the, the general chatter and the things that they were sharing. Uh, the one thing I heard quite a bit was that uh, there was the the conversation that uh, the Thasman relationship was not originally planned. Mm-hmm. That it was something that grew organically over the course of seeing, you know, where the storylines progressed, where the characters um, evolved, and 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 uh, to a large degree from uh, crowd input. Well, and just the chemistry between Jody and Mandip as well. Mm-hmm. And that was something that that uh, that she referenced in her Q and A. I went to a small Q and A thing with with Mandip, and and that, that question came up, and she was like it. it the first time she heard about it was when she saw it on the page. Um, but it, she, she wasn't surprised because she and Jody had kind of been building that relationship and not necessarily like, like intentionally creating a, a romantic interest, but, you know, kind of building that kind of friendship that could turn into a relationship in the future. And, you know, having that kind of emotion into it and everything like that to where when they both read it on the page, they they were like, did we have, have we done enough? Have we earned this? Yeah, no, we I mean, there's enough there. People know, you know, they've talked mm. about it and stuff. So mm. it, it, it was kind of that thing where they were not necessarily caught off guard by it, but, you know, it, it, they learned it seeing it on the page, but it, it wasn't something that felt shoehorned into them. Yeah. Mm. You know, they, mm-hmm. they had been they had been doing the legwork up to that point. Okay. Yeah. Um, another thing that Mandip mentioned, I don't remember if we knew this before, but it was always planned that... The guys would be there for the first two seasons with Jody's doctor, and then they would leave and she would stay. So she knew yeah. that that was part of the reason that her storyline might have gotten shortchanged a little bit in those first couple seasons, because she was going to be here after they were gone. And she talked about the things she tried to do to be 
active and present in scenes that she didn't necessarily have a role in. And that's where some of her admiration for the doctor came through was, you know, the way she's looking at her and participating without speaking and things like that. Being present, but not necessarily participatory in every every crowd Mm -hmm. interaction. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that perspective. I think it gives you something that you don't hear. You have to witness it. You have to see it happen. And if you probably go back and watch some of those episodes and watch her very closely, you might look at it a little differently now than when you first watched. Yeah. I'd, hearing some of these stories was, uh, it, it really made me want to go back and especially Spyfall. Dear God, they talked about Spyfall <laughs> so much. Like they must have loved doing that, that story. But oh, sure. I, I want to go back and watch it again now because it, hearing all of the stories from you know behind the camera and stuff it's i want to see i want to see how much of it i can catch on screen mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's true but that was uh, another thing that was really kind of interesting that that came up was the the impact that covid had on uh on series 13 in that you know uh they were talking a lot about how you know when mandip first got uh got onto the show it's like you know you instantly you're going to south africa and then you know every other week you're in a new place and meeting new people and things like that and when they did flux everyone had to stay in a in a bubble you know they 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 couldn't travel anywhere they didn't have a new guest star every week or something like that it was you you spent a lot more time with uh with the guest stars uh, and so they they kind of built that relationship that you didn't really get to with the one-off uh, people. But that really kind of like – I kind of want to go back and watch Flux from that mentality of like this this is what they had to do in order to make anything because they they had to use the same characters. They had to – they couldn't travel anywhere kind of thing. So I'm, I'm curious how much of that I can track in the production of the show. It's an interesting point. Yeah, if you've got an eye specifically attuned to, all right, where are ways that we could consolidate and still try to make the largest impact out of the smallest set of resources? Yeah. I know um, <laughs> I got to see a fair amount. Of, this this sort of strays off the, off the question for a little bit. But as far as interesting things, since I didn't attend many of the panels, my interest level was based on seeing what everybody's energy were as they sort of poured out of the uh, out into the corridors and things. But I got a chance to be able to sort of sit back a little bit and see a lot more cosplay go by. I'm kind of glad that cosplay is still happening. Yeah. <laughs> People finding creative ways to incorporate them into, uh, incorporate masks into their cosplay. Um, lent itself real well to Ice Warriors. <laughs> First <laughs> lesson learned. Um, Weeping Angels. Had a great job. We had a large phalanx of Weeping Angels, at least eight of them wandering yeah. around. Oh, and yeah. then the no, second was... day they were the Meeping Angels. Yes, we had a couple those, of meeping angels. That's that was fantastic. Quite a thing. Um, and I saw a couple of really deep pulls, too. I saw, well, we had uh, some of the cat nurses, which is easy because you can get a nice cat mask right. to go across. So you don't have to worry about makeup. So that's mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah. The the one that I was really impressed with was the the Hath from the Doctor's Daughter. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the fish person with the, the bubbly respirator the, the green, thing. And it was, yeah, the green bubble tank. Yep. It was really well done, and I wish I'd gotten a new, uh, a, a better picture of it because I, I just kind of caught him walking down the hallway. But yeah, no, there were and the 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 lone Cyberman was a was a fan favorite too. That's true. Yeah. Those the yeah. I had a I had a couple of minutes to talk with the kid who was who was in the hat costume, and he kept waiting for opportunities to be able to pull it away because it was having that green glowing tank right in front of right between his eyes. 
mm-hmm. was messing with his vision and making him go cross-eyed because he'd have to try to look around a green glowing <laughs> light. And it was giving him a wicked headache on the first day. I'm like, A for effort, but yeah. maybe like a C minus for execution in, in taking care of yourself in the, pro- in the process yeah. on that one. Put a little screen behind it so that your Something. eyes can still oh, but look straight so on. But it looked so good. It looks so good. Yeah, no, it really did. He didn't screen test. I guess. <laughs> yeah, rookie mistake. <laughs> One last thing that I, on top of cosplay, always like to know about when I can't attend something like this is how did the energy in the dealer's room feel? What were, was the quality of stuff still up to par? How did you feel for interactions with those kinds of things? What would you two feel from like a consumer standpoint, going around yeah. and bumping vendors? I can go first because my answer is probably shorter. Uh, I did not spend a lot of money in the dealer's room, but I mean, it, it looked the way I remember the dealer room looking, but I, I know Jay went home with heavier luggage than I did. This is very true. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, there were the old standbys, you know, all the, the Doctor Who merch and stuff like that that you would expect. Um, books, long boxes of Doctor Who Monthly and Doctor Who Magazine, uh, you know, all the things that you would expect to be there. Uh, and then there were... Yeah, there were a couple like artisan booths and things like that, like the leather worker and, uh, you know, some, uh, crystals and things like that that you could Mm -hmm. get. But, um, no, I mean, all in all, it was, it, it, like Haley said, you know, it it felt like what you expect the dealer's room to be. Maybe the back corner was a little bit barren, but, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's for the most part, it's, you, you didn't even notice it really. But I mean, having the chance to, to go up and just, strike up a conversation with Jody Hauser whilst she signed my comic book for me was, you know, I mean, that's, that's all you need right there. Very true. Yeah. Her, yeah, well, Jody's breadth of work in the first place is just kind of insane. It runs at pretty much every, every sci-fi and fantasy property you'd ever want to possibly read. But, yeah. um, I know speaking from over, cause this is the, this is the year where they had to incorporate all the fan tables and the nonprofit tables had to come out of that corridor that used to be from the photo op room and they moved them into the dealer room as well because they were mm-hmm. down at about 75% of the overall dealers. Some of the major anchors, sort of the flagship dealers that were in there pulled back on their merchandise a little bit, like alien entertainment that normally comes in there with a massive spread. Um, uh, you know, Gene and, and, uh, and Taylor, and they, they, they pulled those things down to, to a smaller amount. So it, you could definitely tell you, you saw the same faces maybe, uh, around, uh, tables that weren't quite as deep with swag, mm-hmm. but from back where I was back with, uh, pop, uh, pop culture hero coalition and, and, and our organization, some of the other nonprofits that were sort of clustered into one section, I personally noticed that as you got to that quieter side of the dealer room, it worked to our advantage because we could have conversations with folks where we didn't have to scream at them to be yep. heard. Um, and if they took a step back, if they were there with two, three people and they're, they're sort of, you know, taking, taking turns sort of stepping forward to ask some questions or get some information, things there was <laughs> when the crowd is large, or if you're back in the corridor for that sort of thing, you take one step back and the flow of traffic is just going to suck you away like a yep. riptide. So it actually allowed people to be able to, to feel like they could linger and, and explore things and ask the questions without feeling like they were getting crushed to the next table, the next table, the next table. So very welcome also. That and I, I just have to say, if if I attend another galley and there is not a Girl Scout cookie table, I'm I'm gonna riot. <laughs> oh no no, they, they're they're there. If they they even pulled back a little bit too because they always get mobbed. Um, they always get mobbed and they always have the greatest display. 
They did have a killer display this <laughs> time. They? It was a big Good. adipose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cute. Yeah, wearing a, a Girl Scout uniform. Yeah. Nice. That was great. So uh, two more questions. Penultimate question. Did everyone take their picture in the TARDIS? Uh, well, I was in front. I got one okay. in front of the TARDIS. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, No. My bad. Oh, Haley. Con fail. Uh, I don't know. Go back, go back <laughs> and check your, your photo reel because you might not remember. Yeah, there might be. <laughs> I, there is a night I don't remember. So if there's a picture from that, <laughs> I just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Fair ha- enough. Hats off. The Hangar 18 bar staff is still making very, very strong drinks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very good. So wrapping it all up, does this mean that conventions, Galley and others like it, are ready to return full force? Full force? No. Okay. And I'm glad you added that that little <laughs> uh, that caveat on that. Yeah. I think running it with the restrictions that they did, and and staying yep. true to those, and really holding holding that line strong, served to everyone's advantage. And by the time the weekend was over, everybody recognized it. Yep. People were around getting their coffee and things at the Starbucks in the morning, and looking a little more just overall better because they weren't blowing themselves out um, with a massive crowd each night the night before. The, the, don't get me wrong. LobbyCon ran to some late hours for a lot of yeah, folks. true. But it wasn't chaos. And if cons are going to run like this for the foreseeable future and be really, really aware of what the necessary, you know, the, the, the hard line that you got to walk, then yeah, I think we're in better shape to start seeing these things return. If they don't, if they just say, well, that's it. You know, cats out of the burlap on that one. Let's go. And they try to run it the way they did in 2019. No way. Yeah. yeah. I, I think a galley size con can come back now. I think when we get to San Diego Comic-Con, like that's a whole different beast. Um, and I don't know that the the actions they took at galley can translate to a con of that size. The other thing I will say is right now, City of LA still has a bunch of requirements to hold an event like this. And it, then it was very easy for the people running that particular con to say, hey, this isn't us making this decision. We just have to play by the rules or we don't get to have a con. So if you want to come, yeah. you have to follow these rules or we don't get to have a con. When those restrictions aren't in place because of where we are or when we are, then you're looking at something totally different. The con has to decide for themselves if they want to put something in place. And I think that's harder for them to communicate and it's going to be harder to enforce. Yeah, I I I really feel like this was fantastically done and I I would not mind going to another convention that had that same kind of uh or a similar kind of setup in place. And if that means that you know they have to stick really hard to the restrictions because you know to keep everyone safe that's fine. Fewer people whatever it is I would be willing to in, to incur some of that extra, like if ticket prices had to go up slightly in order for them to be able to maintain that, I'm more than happy to pay a, a premium to keep things safe like that because, yeah, it, and it, I mean, it was, there were, it, they may have been overly cautious at times, but I would much rather err on that side. And that's, and that's why I, I think Sean even said himself when he announced the tickets uh, in April would start going on sale for uh, 33 and a third. Um, it's a, I think, it, how did, how did he phrase it? He said something like, I'd still love to see this number of people attend, provided we still have a thousand people <laughs> who decide to just kick something into the kitty just for the sake of it. <laughs> and it made me think about something. What if they did something where it was like a, uh, like a fund, you know, buy your ticket and you can chip an extra dollar in 
for somebody, yeah. you know, as if, you know, as if you were like paying for someone else's ticket, but you're in essence, what you're basically doing is kicking to the con. So over and above your costs, we want to mm-hmm. make sure that this is to keep you viable. Yeah. Either build it into the cost of the ticket or, you know, give people the option, mm-hmm. however it is, or just open it up to, you know, it's like the, I, there's probably a few conventions that i won't be able to attend or won't be able to go to that I I still want to be able to support, mm-hmm. you know, and like having, having easy options like that would be great. You know, yeah. coming out of the era we were just in, I wonder if the door is now open to buy a virtual pass, like not necessarily that they're going to record it and put it all on YouTube. Cause I know they're opposed to that for a lot of reasons, but like we will have the live stream going at the time that the con is happening. And for people that, can't or don't want to travel but still want to be part of the con you know mm-hmm. you can like maybe just room a is all that they can do that for for the first year but you get to be part of the panels dragon con has done that and it has opened up i think a lot of opportunities for them for that kind of content as well as i mean they've got the structure to do it and they've been doing it for the local con hotels for years and having that play through the the closed circuit system. closed circuit system but you can feel like you are virtually attending for i think they do it for something as nominal as ten dollars mm-hmm. and you can yeah. watch them as if you're sitting where that cameraman is camera woman whomever and you feel like you're a part of it and you don't have to travel you don't have to be there and it doesn't cost them any extra really to have the right. additional person viewing but they get that little bit of a kickback for the content being available yeah. as well as an online store kind of thing you know if there are medals or plushies or badges or ribbons or something extra that they've got that they want to sell off either re- leading up to or after yeah. that's always an option to add a little bit more money to the operating budget without having to throw wide open the doors for additional people to be there or whatever i mean yeah you leave that open-ended like that you'll be surprised how many uh benefactors just decide to you know if you left it as an an open donation thing you know as little as a dollar but it's it's limitless about how much you could possibly kick in to be able to help keep the con viable you'd be really surprised how many people will dig really deep just because uh conventions like this specifically ones like this mean so much to them and are kind of the cornerstones for a lot of people for their social outreach for the year. Yeah. You know, they they plan their entire year's travel and budgeting and everything else around this one trip to LA or or conventions like that. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting okay. choice. Well, thank you all for sharing and letting me live vicariously through you. <laughs> thank you for leaving the door unlocked for 1 a.m. when I finally got out of the taxi cab. <laughs> I turned the light on too. Yeah, it's really uh. sweet. Well, one thing that did not actually emerge from uh, Gallifrey One panel news uh, was the fact that we now have a, a much more solidified date for when to expect our spring special. Yes. Um, it all depends on whether or not you actually know when Easter is. Nope. Because, okay. Well, it, it's Sunday, April 17th. So if they stick with Sunday broadcasts and they decided to do it on Easter Sunday... It would be April 17th. That's as clear as they have said. They said it is going to be during the Easter holiday. 
but it wasn't made as a result of an official BBC announcement. Once again, this is as a result of an agency website. Yep. This, this happens a lot. Somebody might want to talk to the agents and ask them, ask their, ask their web designers to sign NDAs or something. <laughs> no, they got to promote their people. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but one thing that did come from, uh, directly from Gallifrey One was during the, the big panel of, of Joe Martin, Sasha Dewan, uh, Mandip Gill and, and Matt Strevens was, you know, the executive producer of the show just, casually dropping into conversation that we have not seen the last of the fugitive doctor squee (laughs) (laughs) the the great moment was i i don't know how genuine this was but the moment that he said it and instantly like slammed his hand over his mouth and turned his face away (laughs) (laughs) but uh, as as one of the the cast members pointed out like who's gonna tell him off (laughs) yeah at this point What's the what's the worst they could do? Fire up? Yeah. Oh snap! <laughs> Technically, you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> you can't fire me. I regenerated. <laughs> yeah. So we we will see more of the fugitive doctor, though. Any details beyond that, uh, we don't have. That's when they uh, grabbed the microphone and escorted him off. Yeah. That's that's when you saw this weird red dot like appear on his forehead, and it was you know, strange. <laughs> but no. Uh, one thing we, uh, another thing we found out though was that um, there is going to be a, a, a fugitive doctor comic series. Yeah, um, got a quick chance to chat with Jody Hauser. She was doing her signing table just across from ours, and when things got a little quiet, I was yelling things across the corridor to her a bit. <laughs> I love your work. You're amazing. Thank you for being so prolific. And other, other, you know, like you normally do. Um, and and I was asking about the uh, Doctor Who Origins series that she's got going on with Titan. And I guess she had been getting this this question asked a lot because she ended up, by the time the weekend was over, tweeting out, I just want to make a clarification on this thing, that the Origins storyline as written is not the Timeless Child story. It is specifically something that we wanted, which is the Fugitive Doctor bombing around with Division doing all kinds of missions. Yeah. Which is infinitely more interesting to me right now. Yes, I would appreciate some missions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Missions yeah, no, and I'm crimes. Not. Missions and crimes. If there's a show about crimes, I want to see crime. Crimes and a mission. I am super excited about this comic series. This like this is one of those things like I I, I go to comic shops for specific titles. And this this is one like I'm I'm just gonna call ahead and be like no I, I want to be on the the pull list for this one mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I want it every week yeah. or whatever. Now we have more reason to reach out to Titans. We, can we please have permission to talk to Jody for a little while because she's got a lot more information <laughs> than she can divulge right now until we speak to you. So can she come out and play? <laughs> <laughs> is Jody home? <laughs> <laughs> Mister Mrs Titan, hello. <laughs> All right. Well, next week we are going to be coming back with our classic rewatch with uh, Enlightenment. Yep. It's time to wrap up this Turlo trilogy of sorts. And Spoilers. Well, we've been mentioning it as a trilogy for the past six weeks. So yeah, but I don't remember six point. weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. That's... Again, in Haley's before times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That we all call the past. Yesterday. But yeah, no, this is a, this, this is an unusual one. 
mean, you got like a space race kind of thing, but the prize is like something worthy of the Dalai Lama. It's a it's a complicated thing, but Black Guardian, come on, how can you go wrong? Turlo getting ah, browbeaten. Ah, ah. <laughs> you fool of a boy. No. That's classic entertainment. Well, this has been episode 461 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next week, this is Jay saying, I really need a nap. But if if anyone has come across my uh, my hat that I set on you drunkenly, I can can I get that back, please? <laughs> and this is Kier saying, I'm not in any rush to do my laundry because I'm making a new suit from my ribbons. <laughs> this is Julie saying, no, seriously, next time we're not even drawing straws. No, just, just go. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. thanks. And this is Haley saying, I would like to make a correction to earlier in the podcast. I have not unpacked my bags yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. I will see. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode.